So uh, I'll sit down and, and start us off because I, I do want to take some time to give a little background on me before we jump into Ephesians. And I'll uh, start with some acknowledgments. Uh, uh, first and foremost, for my mother that's here on the second row um, on Mother's Day, uh, special acknowledgment to her and, and to my, and my family that's here and friends. And um, it's a great blessing a comfort for me to be able to hear them sing out to the Lord behind me before I come up here. It really uh, comforts my soul. Um, and I would say that, that this day may be a little bit of prophecy fulfilled for my mom. I'll share a story that uh, um, when I was born, we had a new pastor come into the community, and it was like the week I was born, he was there. And he came by and saw the family, and he saw me, and he said, uh, this, this, this boy will grow up to be a preacher. Well, I'm here to tell you that they would have thought he was dead wrong up until about 10 to 12 years ago. I mean, like, not on the map. Um, if, he would have, if you look in Deuteronomy, I'll just read a verse out of Deuteronomy 18 real quick. You don't have to flip there. But 22 says, When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not to be afraid of him. And then back up in 20, it gets a little bit more serious. It says, But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. So if that gentleman was, was back in the day with Moses and Aaron in the desert, he probably would have been fearing for his life for a long time for making that prophecy. Because it did not look like that uh, the Lord had me on that path at all. Um, and so, uh, uh, so about my testimony, we... Thank the Lord we did grow up uh, in a church that, that preached the gospel. So um, a lot of it, I, I had knowledge. There was a, um, I really developed, I don't know if it was just me being blind to the true gospel or, um, or, or if it was the teaching that led me to, to, to build my own grid of religion that was really um, thinking God was, was out. It, 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 when I sinned, that it was, it was a lightning bolt was coming. And there was not a closeness there. It was a fear. It was really a fear, to be honest. Uh, I was a kid that when, in high school, when I, I really delved into sin, then at the train tracks, I looked both ways a couple times because I thought the train was coming. You know, so it, it and, but praise be to God, he, in his time, he did save me. So it, it really occurred, a, a brief testimony part, I was, I tell people he saved me at my worst because um, I had a morality that kept me, uh, pretty much uh, clean, um, but that morality, as I went to college, it ca- continued to erode. And then basically, um, uh, at the end of about 10 days in the Bahamas on spring break, I was traveling through the night to drive back to Carolina with a bunch of guys, and, and God just, how I would say is he just reached down in the back of that car and saved me. He just, he just opened my heart. He changed my heart to have a heart of flesh from a heart of stone. And uh, that's the only thing I could say. It was just a, a conviction, a, a weeping, and I could spend the, this whole morning talking about how that's so evident in my life, how he changed me. He changed me at that moment and what changed after that. But uh, God did save me then, did get me into a church. I'm, I want to share a little bit about that too as well. I'm coming to Doxa from being able to serve at Surfside uh, Baptist Church, and uh, God plugged me in there, put great people in my life to, to train me uh, really for this to be able to sit in this seat right now, um, I, I see that and so clear and evident in my life. Um, God called me um, uh, to be a part of the deacon ministry, so which I thought that that wasn't going to happen until like I had more gray hair than I have now. I have a little bit, third kids doing that, but uh, I thought that was something way down the line. 
but God really opened the doors, brought me into to that ministry, um, really, and then it just one thing led to another. Um, I served for a little bit, took some time off, or for a year off we had to, and I was like, no, that, that's it. I did that. I did that piece, um, uh, but Lord really called me back into it. Uh, he drug me uh, from the balcony. I sat up in the balcony of our church. On a Sunday morning, it was time to say if we we're going to move forward in the deacon ministry. And he drug me from the top of that balcony, down the stairs, down the aisle, weeping at the altar. And I did not, I was not, um, I was fighting God to serve at that time in that ministry. And, um, and now I see it so clear that there'd be no way I could do that um, if, if he didn't do that in my life and train me and prepare me for this time to serve, serve Doxa Church. Um, and so Doxa Church, to speak a, bit, a little bit about it itself, um, I will go ahead and make my way over to Ephesians. We will be in Ephesians 1 this morning, uh, hopefully finishing it out. But the, the church itself is made up of, of many different members um, that have different talents and different gifts. Um, and so um, Ephesians 4.12 says, And that he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And so I really feel that that's, that's our job as leaders in Doxa is to, is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, and to build, build you up. That's our responsibility is to, to labor towards that. And so it talks about many different gifts. So I'll start with just a little, maybe some differences between me and Randy uh, to share. I mean, we, we, we have some gifts that overlap. Um, but there are some, some areas that we're lacking that we're still praying for as a church. Uh, <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that comment. Um, but anyway, so Randy, um, as you, if you were here last, last service, one of the, maybe I'll start, I won't start spiritual yet. I'll just do some, just some normal stuff you might recognize if you start hanging out with us. So one is Randy, he loves coffee. Okay, so last week he, he just, he like the spirit caught him and he was just going with coffee, just talking about different coffee and how it, it depends on the sunshine and what elevations and he can taste different flavors. And, and that, I'm not there. I, I'm just starting to drink coffee. I mean, a Keurig brewer is about all I got. You know, I'm like either Donut House or the Costco 38 cents a K-cup brand. You know, just put it in, push the button, you know, that, that's, that's how I roll. That's, that's a little bit of difference there. And also, Randy, um, he loves food. And, uh, I mean, he, he just doesn't just like eating, but he likes good food. Um, and I'm kind of like, you know, what does it cost and how fast can I eat it and get back to what I'm doing? Uh, Kramer busted me Friday in the drive-thru at Chick-fil-A, and he's like, he texts me. I'm like, no, man, I got a kid's meal. I'm going. I got to get back to work. You know, a couple nuggets, I'm done. So that's a little bit of difference between us. Uh, and then also technology, Randy's when I met Randy, and, and I just met Randy a year ago, and that's part of the story too, how God opened uh, my serving and time in, in Surfside and really just, I was a wrestling and like, Lord, what, 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 what are you calling me to do? What are, what are you calling me to do? It was just odd. And, um, and God just started putting on my heart is that he was preparing me to help uh, plant a church, to come beside a couple and just, just labor beside them. And so, but another little difference, when I met Randy, he, he's got it right now. He's the I this, I that, iPad. He's got everything. And uh, thank the Lord, I had just recently got a smartphone. So, you know, I was like, okay, I got a smartphone at least. And then, uh, but I did have to upgrade my plan. You know, I was, had to get the unlimited text and some data on there so I could run with Randy. But uh, so that's some little bit of difference. But also spiritually, you'll see, not, not spiritually, but our gift set. Um, and I think it really comes to even how we communicate Scripture and how we teach. 
Uh, I think Randy has a gift of preaching. It's, it's, it's just so evident that I see looking in. Uh, I, call, I say he has a freestyle. He just can kind of go. I'm, I'm, I'll be honest, I am, this is my comfort blanket up here. I, I teach from a different standpoint. Um, and I think that's where my gift set is maybe sit down teaching. So um, hopefully as we roll out, when we start membership classes, things like that, or, or stuff before service, when we're looking, diving into stuff, that that's probably where my gift set lands me. But so I say that to, to let you know that this morning will be a little bit different, um, I think. I think you'll see that. Uh, I pray that the prophecy that was, that was uh, given by the preacher a long time ago is true. So I guess it will still, haven't jumped in the text yet, so it's still to be known. But uh, that's my prayer. So why don't I pray and then we'll jump into the text. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I do, I do thank you for, for this time and this privilege um, to stand before these men and women, Lord, and to, to approach your word. Lord, I pray that uh, it would not be my thoughts or my opinion, Lord, but your, your truth would speak through, Lord, that you would, you, would, you would come and minister to whatever hearts need to be ministered in whatever way, Lord, if it's encouragement, if it's healing, um, Lord, if it's just a, a conviction, Lord. Um, Lord, I pray that you would do that in this time now. Um, I thank you again for this, this opportunity. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, we will be in Ephesians 1. So if you've been with us for, here for a while, your Bible should just kind of open up to Ephesians 1. It should be nice and crease because we've been here, what, 10, sir, 10 weeks, Ephesians 1. Um, and so I will be speaking majority of the time on 19 through 23, but it's kind of jumps in the middle of a thought. So I've got to back us up a little bit to move us forward. So I'll start in verse 15. So join me in Ephesians 1, verse 15. It says, for this reason, okay, we'll stop there. For this reason, what, what reason is he talking to? If you've been here with us, you don't have to say exactly what the reason. What scripture is that pointing to? For this reason. Yeah. It's pointing to 3 through 14. And so that's what it's pointing back to. And, and, and I hope that as we go through this, when you look at 3 through 14 going forward, you automatically say, okay, this is what God did in that section. It's teaching us that, that God the Father redeemed, uh, God the Father chose us and that God the Son redeemed us and God the Holy Spirit sealed us. So that's what that is pointing back to. And it says, because I, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what is the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he has put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Amen? Amen. So there's a lot in there that you can, you just see these, these thoughts and these phrases that, that does stir, like, this is, this is truth, this is good stuff. But my question is, when we read that all together, I mean, how many people in here are like, okay, what did he really say? I know he said a lot, but what did he say? Um, and, and I think it's so much there. Uh, the book of Ephesians, six chapters, it's not long uh, in chapters-wise, but it's long in content. 
it is, it is a lot of stuff in there, a lot of stuff going on, and that's, that's really why the pace that we've been taking, I mean, we're dealing with some heavy issues to walk through as a church. So my goal this morning is kind of, you know, this is a big feast. It's 15 through 23 is a big feast, and, and for us to kind of divide it up a little bit so we can kind of internalize it, we can digest it, we can own it. As we get through the scripture, it's something we own and we know. So kind of going, looking back at uh, 15 through 16, it talks about, Randy covered this a couple weeks ago, heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints. And so that really applies to us. We applied it to us as a church plant. That should be uh, a success for us, is that these two things, one is growing in the faith and growing in love. It's not numbers, it's not programs, it's, it's nothing else, but are we individually and as we in a church growing in faith, which is, is really personal trust in him, um, that personal trust in Christ, what he's doing in your life, what he has done for you, and then also growing in love, and that's, that's sacrificial service uh, to each other in the body and those outside. And then we have 17 through 18, and back in 16, I'll, I'll jump there again, it's just a prayer it says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And then 17 through 23 is really Paul's prayer for the believers in Ephesus. And so, and, and it's not just that applies to us. This letter was written, given to them, and then circulated among the churches. And so 17 through 18, um, what's he praying? Okay, we see some two big, I guess, key words or texts through here. It says, praying that the Father would give them a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and a knowledge of him. So that's one thing. And then the second is that they would have their eyes of their hearts enlightened. Um, and so for what reason? What is he praying those things for? For what reason? It was a key, I would say, a key word that or, or phrase or theme that ran through Randy's message last week. What is the, the reason The reason is that you may know three things. And so we'll go through that. But the point being, uh, Randy last week really, really captured the plea of Paul um, that first and foremost that they would know these things and not know just from a head knowledge, not know just from uh, facts, but they would know internally. They would know it in their hearts. They would experience it. They would taste it. Um, and spent a lot of time in the scriptures looking at that, um, that they would, they would know. Use the example about honey. You can explain it to somebody. You could show them on a bottle, they can feel it and it's sticky, but unless they taste it, unless they eat of it, they can't, they can't truly explain it, they can't capture it. So that's our, our point as believers is to really capture Christ and God, what he's done for us. And so Paul, he talks about that they may know, but he, he breaks it down, okay, it's the three what. So, so if you take your Bible and you look and you say, okay, he's praying that they may know, and it's three things. And first is this, what is the hope to which he has called you? The second is what is the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And then third is what is the immeasurable greatness of his power to us who believe. And so what does what's this first one mean that you may know? So take a look at that first what. What is the hope to which he has called you? And that's pointing to that he has chosen us goes back to the beginning, when we start in the, in the beginning of the chapter 1. That he has chosen us, that we have been reconciled back to God, that we are no longer, uh, because of sin and what happened in chapter 3 of Genesis, uh, with sin entering to the world, the separation for us from, from God, that, that he has removed us from the just wrath that is due for us. He has moved us out of that. He has chosen us, and now we are under the grace and mercy of God. 
So it even, it, it, the book of Ephesians, is we talk about in Christ, you're in Christ. So that's the point. Your identity has changed as a believer. Your, your identity is no longer your sinner. Your identity is that you're a saint. Um, and so it's that he wants you to know that and not get caught up and not hear the lies that that, that has not happened if you're a believer in Christ, that you're still identifying yourself as a sinner, but to identify yourself as a saint. And then the second thing, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, that is really a result of the first what? So you see that, the, that because he has called you out, he has brought you into the saints in an inheritance. And I would say this verse is really pointing to not just what's going to come, that we see that's going to happen in heaven or when Jesus returns, that inheritance, but it's talking about right now. He's talking about this is present tense. This is when, he, when this is written, this is what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. This is now. And so that's pointing that, that it is our participation in the kingdom of God and that we are an heir with Christ. And so that moves us to this third what, and this is where we'll spend the most of our time this morning. Um, the immeasurable greatness of his power to us who believe. So, I'll confess I'm a little bit of a Bible nerd and get, you know, read stuff and I get excited. And that's just, to me, I think it's kind of weird sometimes, but it's just what Lord's done in my heart. So I praise him for that. So one of the cool things when I was studying and preparing for this is this, this phrase, immeasurable greatness. Um, and, and really when Paul, the Holy Spirit had captured Paul's heart and he's, he's writing this, um, Paul cannot find a word to explain this. And so if you look at other Greek writing at the time, this word didn't exist. So what Paul did is he just took a bunch of words and, and shoved them together to make a word. And so immeasurable greatness is, is in the Greek, it's hyperbalo megathos. And that just sounds cool. You know, that's like, what, you know, I'm just, yeah, I listened to a preacher that was talking about that, and the way he said it was just awesome. I was like, man, if I could say it like that, I mean, it would be awesome. But hyperbalo megathon, so he's pulling stuff together. And so what it means is that it's incapable of being measured broadly. It's just too great to be measured. And so, uh, but another key phrase in here is right after that, it says, according to the working of his great might. And so this is a, a really a key phrase in here because what that does is it, it's the big point. It links us. It accords with, it brings us into this power. So really the ultimate point, it's saying that, um, I'll, I'll go back and read it, give us some context. It says, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ. Okay, so what is this, this power? And, and what power? And, and what it does is he, the next verses, 20 through 23, points back to that power. And specifically, I'll, I'll continue to read that. It says, 20, it says, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly places far above all rule, authority, and power, and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and gave him the head of all things to the church. And so the point being is that, that we have the same power in us as a believer, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and, it, and exalted him to the Father. And so, um, and this according to, that's what it's pulling, it's the same power. And so I think about that when I read this and study this. I think it's another point of going back to last week. Is, is something you can say is true in Scripture? Is that true in my heart? Do, 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 is that really true in my heart? Do I, do I truly 
feel that as a believer that the, that same power is in me and that I'm really an heir with Christ. You know, I, I, we were sharing in the community group one night, and that, that just blows my mind. You know, I, I think about it as kind of like sometimes maybe I'm on the outside just looking through the window at Christ, you know, like a, a party going on or a feast when it talks about the end of the marriage feast. That I, You know, I'm just outside looking in, but no, it's saying that, no, you're in there. You're at the table. And so that's kind of hard to believe. I'll just I'll put it out there. I mean, that's, that's like a mental thing that you've got to connect. But I think Paul does a great job. I'll steal Randy's thunder a little bit for next week when we get into two. We've got to jump to two because Paul starts to explain it a little more. So stick with me. So if you go to chapter 2, verse 1. So it starts off with Jesus rising from the dead. And so in chapter 2, it starts us at the same spot. 2.1 says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And if you jump to, to 4, it says, But God, being rich in mercy... Because of the great love, which is he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Do you see that? You see that linking, that being part of, that connected to, that he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And then we talk about the ascension, Christ's ascension back to glory. So in verse 6 it says, And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So once again, that's that linking, that's us being part of it, being tied into Christ. But we often say we want, we want a church that's real. Um, uh, sometimes it's a TMI church when we just share too much, but that's just how we want to be. We want to be open. So I think in my own life and for a lot of us here that, that that's truth, but then we think about, well, I'm not living in that. I don't, I don't really, I don't see or I don't feel um, this power, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and exalted him to the Father. Um, I don't see it, and I don't feel it. Well, um, so I hope this morning what we'll do is apply that, okay? Try to talk that out and, and maybe say, why or what do we need to do to, to realize that we may know that this is true, that we will truly know it, that it's just not knowledge or facts. And so, um, so what is our response to the Scripture and I would say, I would put before you this morning that oftentimes it's our response is wrongly to jump to what do I need to do? Okay, Lord, just let me do something. Okay, Lord, give me, give me, these are things I need to do and then I'll know this power. This is the list I can manage. But, but we got to go back and, and look at this scripture in a whole in this section and say, what was the first thing um, that Paul did? First he starts with thanksgiving and then, and then just the fact just to know. Just to know, just just rest in that, um, and so. But it is sad that a message on the the five, the five ways to live a victorious life, or or the the ten ways to have resurrection power. Now, it that preaches good. I mean, you can preach that, you can get a list, and people get fired up about that, and that's easy. And I commend uh, Randy for last week not going there, even at the beginning of that scripture. It's really knowing God, starting there, capturing God as as who he is, the creator of heaven and earth, and seeing that and being amazed and being that stirring you into action. And so, um, uh, so I would say that what we should do is that we should start by thanking God for the power we do experience in our lives. And it really goes to the end of chapter 6, we'll see Paul talks about the spiritual battle. Um, but if we were more aware of the deadly power of sin that's in our hearts, 
and more aware of the spiritual battle that's raging uh, around us, that we, we would marvel over any measure of victory of sin in our life and thank God for it. If we're seeing anything that God is, is God's power is allowing us to overcome, that we should marvel at that. And that's what I would say, this is where we should start, is truly thanking God of what he is doing in your life and how he is bringing you and bringing you to another level with him. Um, when I was studying and preparing for this, uh, I ran across a sermon by uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon uh, on this text. So that's always a, a good place to start. If you've got to preach some, a message, I would, I would give you a tip and go read what he wrote because it's, it's pretty awesome. So uh, I had to pull this f- from him. So I'll read it for us here. Um, this was on Sunday, October 11th, 1863. Uh, his, the, the sermon title was The Mighty Power Which Creates and Sustains Faith. So it starts out, How would you marvel if you saw a man suddenly rise into the sky? So he's talking about the ascension of Christ. So we, we know that when Christ ascended, it was just in the spirit. He was brought back. He, he raised. He had a new body, a physical body. So how would you marvel if you saw a man suddenly rise into the sky? Wonder more when you see a Christian rise above temptation, worldliness, and sin. When you discover him forsaking those things which once were his delight and mounting towards heaven. And so my prayer is this truth for us this morning is that now when we look at 1 Corinthians 10, 13. So if you want to flip there and I did it again, I knew... I always want to go right. I always want to go right. Every time I flip Scripture, I'm going right to the back of the Bible, and I need to take a left here over to uh, 1 Corinthians. So 1 Corinthians 10.13, it reads, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way out of, of escape that you may be able to endure it. So my prayer for us as a church is that this truth, that this power is in us, that that verse won't read impossible anymore. That when you stumble and, and, you, and, and, and things don't work out like you were hoping to, that you, you just see it and you say, like, that's just not obtainable. But just to know that maybe it's just this knowledge and maybe entrusting in, in what God has brought you through and looking back to that, reflecting to that, to say, yes, yes, through Christ I can be victorious over this situation. Um, if we continue on and push through in Ephesians, if you join me back there in chapter, chapter 1, in verse 21, it says, far above rule and authority. So we see Jesus, we know it from Revelation, it says Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And what I think is neat in here in, in 21, it says, uh, far above rule, authority, and power, and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And that's point two. There's, there's nobody else coming. You know, there's, no, there's, there's nobody else coming that's going to be greater than Jesus. So you're not, you're not, it's not like, well, I, I need to wait out and see. Maybe somebody else is going to come on the scene. No, Jesus is it. Um, and then I think when I read this and, and go back, and it, it ties into what Kramer shared earlier in, in, in Romans 8, 39 through 37. This makes perfect sense. If Jesus is above all and everything's below him, then, then it makes sense that nothing can, can take you out of Jesus' hand. There's nothing that can do that. It's because he is above all. He is preeminent. Um, and so we'll kind of make a transition now uh, in, the, in the word 
um, to looking at some principles that we see uh, at the end of these verses. In verse 23, um, we're well, starting back in 22. It says, And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills all in all. And so we have some principles here of Jesus uh, being head over all things to the church, which is his body. And so I'd say, first of all, that the principle that we'll look at is there is union between the head and the body. And that's what the, the point there, there's this union, and union meaning there's a joining that still goes back to what we talked about earlier of this power being in us and we link to it, that uh, that's when two things become one. And this, this picture that he's painting is, as, as Christ is the head of the body, um, the point being is that if, if the head was severed, if there was not a connection, then the head would no longer be the head and the body would no be longer the body. And so... Spurgeon, also, I'll jump to Spurgeon. I took this from him as well from that same message. It says, there must be the same divine power in the member that is in the head, or else where is the union? If we are one with Christ, members of his body, of his flesh, of his bones, there must be a likeness. But, dear friends, when all the rest of the picture shall have been worked out with the just same costly material as the first part, then the head itself shall be placed in the worthy position and shall defer derive glory, and, and will also confer glory upon the body. We, in our nature, were unfit. And so, if anything, the power should be greater, but we are compelled to rejoice that we find in the Scripture that it's just the same power which lifted the man Jesus Christ to the throne of God, which now shall lift each one of us to live and reign with him forever. So, we see that it's the same power and this unity between the head and the body. And then we also see that there's, there's more than just the unity. It talks about uh, Jesus being the authoritative leader of the church, that he is, he is the leader. Um, and so the second principle that we have as a church and how it should affect doxa in our life and what we do is that Jesus Christ should influence every movement of his body. The church shall not take a single action that has not been ordained by Jesus Christ. Um, and I will share a little bit, uh, you know, as, as planning a church and our desires and what we've seen um, and what we hope that God would build here is, is a body. I feel like um, some of our church backgrounds we come out of, uh, for whatever reasons, a lot of churches turn in just to a crowd and not a body. There's no connection. There's no unity between, between the members themselves and there's no there's no unity between that member's identity to the church as a whole they see themselves as separate this is a church over here it's about to fall down or something very good so anyway so so there's a this connection uh we hope that that people would would have with each other and that also they would be connected to the church as a whole um how we say it around here um this principle is that jesus is the lead pastor at doxa it's, it's not Randy, it's not me, it's not anybody else he calls into leadership to teach or any kind of position, uh, but Jesus is the, is the lead pastor, and he is the chief shepherd here. Um, but um, our responsibility as, as a leader, I talked about earlier, is, is equipping uh, the saints for the ministry, um, and it's also for us to, to care for your souls well. I mean, we are to be good stores of, of the souls that are, are brought to Doxa, and so... Uh, 
I would say that, um, that 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 is what we want. We want to to be able to care for people well. We want to to have see this great responsibility to pray and to seek God's will for Doxa and to care for the covenant members. And part of that process is that we have weekly leadership meetings. Um, I meet with Randy and. And Justin, and we go through topics that we're, we're trying to see, okay, where do we need to go? Where's the church going? What do we need to do? And what do we need to be prepared for? And this week's topic was stewardship. Um, so I asked the question, to make this transition, what does it mean to be a godly steward? Um, and I have a definition I want to I um, read as, as being a steward itself. And a steward is, um, they manage the assets for the owner's benefit. The steward carries no sense of entitlement to the assets he manages, and it's the steward's job to find out what the owner wants done with it and then carry out the owner's will. And so stewardship is much more than just being um, a good accountant, having uh, a good budget in place, uh, maybe spending a little bit less than, uh, than you make. It's always a good idea. So it's, it's, but it's much more than that. It's really it's a change of mindset. It's where you no longer see uh, when it comes to uh, being a godly steward, is you no longer see your life, you no longer see your possession as yours, as your ownership of it. That you realize that it is, it is God's. Everything that you have, the breath that you have, anything is of God, and, that's, and he has graced you with it. And so 1 Corinthians 6, 19, I, I just want to say, if you don't want to take my word for it, we'll go to the, the word and see what it says there. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. And so what, what does that mean for us? I mean, as a church and as an individual member or, or, or just a child of God and say, okay, Lord, I want to be a godly steward. And so... I'd make this point first before I jump in that, that stewardship wasn't a part of our, our doctrine series that we went through when we built, this, uh, built the foundation for the church and what the beliefs we were going to believe on are, are to hold close to as we, we built. And it's, a, it's really a worship issue, which is, I think worship's about fell down, right? That's perfect. That's what it is. It's because I'm going to talk about it. It's a, it's a worship issue. So every day, how you steward what you have, it's either, it's either an act of worship to God or it's an act of idolatry. And so it's ultimately a worship issue. So if you start with asking the questions, Lord, how can I be a good steward of my time? How can I be a good steward of my talents? How can I be a good steward of my treasures? You're already asking the wrong question. You've got to change that question to how can I be a good steward of God's time? How can I be a good steward of God's talents? And how can I be a good steward of God's treasure? And so... Um, Today is Mother's Day, and uh, i got a pretty good group over here. And um, we lost, got that. Jesus, he's going to rise again. Don't worry about that. He will rise. Um, so uh, um, I, was, I was talking about, I just realized, you know, we need to go out for Mother's Day and celebrate um, and have a meal and have a time uh, to be, be with family. And I have a mother and, and a, a beautiful wife that has, th- we have three kids. But I, I left today without, like, enough money. So I was wondering, um, and I got, you see the group is pretty big. If somebody could, could, could give me about $100. Obviously. 
Are you all right? I do charge an admin fee. Okay. Hopefully it's not much. All right, so I see you. Everybody's like, man, he is a generous dude. I need to find out what he's doing after church. If he's just going to be that quick to come off $100, maybe see where he's going for lunch. But the point I'm making with this example is that what if I told you that I gave Justin the $100 before service started? Then you would no longer see him as generous. And what, what would you think if, if he said, well, I'll give you 10 back. I mean, you gave me 100, but I'll give you, I'll give you 10 and so the point being is that when we start seeing that everything we have is a gift of God, then we don't hold on it so tightly. We know that he, he gave me that. And, and what our hope and our prayer for and for our members is, is, is just to really truly go before God and ask God, how can I be a godly steward? What have you called me to do? How have you called me to, to sow back into your kingdom? Where, what am I supposed to hold loosely? But I'm going to put this in my pocket. Uh, <laughs> So uh, God's still working on my own heart about that. So, uh, so um, kind of drawing us to a close. Okay, tying everything into leadership and what are we doing and, and why are we talking about this and is that we want to be good stewards individually and we also want to be a good steward as a church. And so um, I'm going to give you a heads up. We, you know, we've, it's our 10th Sunday, and we haven't really passed an offering plate, and we're still working some things out, trying to get all the bank accounts set up and every, all this thing set up. And so we're still working through that process. So everything goes down uh, to corporate, and then they send everything back. And, or if we request something, have to show receipts and whatnot. But we do want to give you, as, as, if you're coming, the opportunity to, to be a good steward. And so starting next week, we'll probably start passing the offering plate, doing something like that or a basket. And just, but I want you to see that it is an act of worship. That that's a time that you can really, truly worship God, and that be the foundation. So I wanted to hit it this week to prepare your hearts for it. And so at that moment, uh, we don't want you to compel to give out of the wrong reason. Um, and if you're a guest here, this is, I'm talking to the covenant members of Doxa Church right now, that... Um, if God's called you to be a covenant member, we would pray that you would, you would, you would, you would see that the mission that he's called us to um, is his and that you would, you would help finance his, own, his mission. And so how we choose and how we um, spend the money is really going to be tied into our mission and our vision. Our mission is that Doxa, Doxa Church uh, exists to create disciples who worship Jesus with their entire lives. And our vision is to plant a church in every community and a community group in every neighborhood. So what that means, though, is that the finances, that, that's, that mission and vision is going to dictate how, how we store our money. And so we just want to get that on the table, give you an opportunity. And so we've just started talking about budget things. So we would hope that we can, we can set aside 20% to give back, 10% to, to worldwide missions, and 10% to church planning. And that's our hope. Uh, um, and if, but really, we're still putting that before God and, and having him make the call as part of being a godly steward. So I'll push us through to, to finish out here in Ephesians chapter, chapter 1 with verse 23. I still got to go back to 22. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So we say it a lot that the church is the body of Christ. But I'd, I would like for you to just to think, really think about that, that the church 
is the body of Christ. So I would ask you the question is, where, where does this world see Christ? Those outside of the church, where should they see Christ? They should see it in the church. And that's our prayer for this, that we would, we would, we would be a church that represents Christ well from everything that we do, how we love people, um, how we hold his word. And that's, our, that's our strong goal. Um, and, and I pray that, that, um, that his body, that we would uh, truly reflect him. And I pray that as we grow, that each week as people come in, that they would say, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Because it goes back to if Christ, Christ is in us, it's that same power, he's in us. When you're saved and, and, and God speaks life into you, changes your heart of stone to heart of flesh, you are still by the Holy Spirit, it's Christ in you. So we pray when people get close down Augusta Drive, that they start feeling the presence of the Lord. So when they come here and they would, when they leave, they would say, truly the presence of the Lord was in this place. There would not be a doubt. And so I would, I would ask you that that starts, with, as Randy says, it starts before you get here too. We know that we, we try to, to develop things uh, in a way that, that stirs you to get your heart ready. But I would pray that you would start seeing that, that you are bringing Christ here. We're coming together and to prepare your hearts to truly worship him. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I, Lord, I thank you for, for this time. Lord, I pray that these truths, that this power in us would, would, would totally change us. Lord, that we would just know that. Lord, I pray that we would not lose sight. We're so prone to forget and so prone to wonder what you have done in our lives, Lord. Lord, just the amazing fact that you saved us, Lord. Lord, that you saved us. And Lord, and, and we were fighting against you. And Lord, you came down. You changed our hearts. Lord, and I pray that, that we would not forget that first and foremost, but we would also see the victories in our life, that, that none of it could be given, if it less that you did that. It was a work of your power. Lord, I pray that uh, as we continue to walk through Ephesians, that you would grow us close together as a group. Uh, Lord, that, um, that we would be a church that reflects uh, you well. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.